Hey everyone, it's me, Daniel, at Socratic Hobbits. Thanks for taking a listen. Today we have Isaac Madsen on, and we talk about a pretty wide range of topics. We talk briefly about Veriroot, at length about African Christian University, and Isaac going there this coming school year. Isaac tries as best as he can to keep us on topic with a little success. We are also interrupted by spotty connections to Starlink. Elon, please enjoy. So I thought we were going to be talking about Veriroot, but then I went out to look up Veriroot and it says that it's been administratively dissolved as of last July. Yeah, yeah. Veriroot doesn't exist as an entity. So you started a company and then you dissolved your company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, with the, with doing nothing. It'll, yeah. it'll uh, go through a, a soft launch again this fall, probably. <laughs> so there's a few a few clients interested it's kind of like we haven't pushed or built it or anything but yeah we could i mean if we want to talk about the techniques we could talk about that or um the ideals yeah well let's uh so the last episode which posted this week because we i switched i don't know if you noticed i switched um how i'm producing them we're on Substack now instead of our own website and it's nice because it's the same thing, but freer. <laughs> I did notice that when I published the blog post, there wasn't anything about that episode, even though that episode had gone out to Spotify and Apple podcast. There wasn't anything. Did you post it on the website? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I mean, that's going to go away. Okay. So you can post it on Substack. So I should move all of our blog posts over to Substack. All three of them. Definitely. For sure. We three have four like nine because you had a number of blog posts too i think i had three or four anyway yeah we just put them on Substack, and then we can decide if we want to pay for the premium Substack version but my guess is probably so I not thought, i thought Substack was more for like i didn't realize you could run podcasts on there i thought it was more like for journalists and writing and stuff like that yeah i think that's their target but they definitely have that as an option and so i thought it was going to be i mean it literally it took like 20 minutes it was much easier than I was led to believe it would be. And it's supposed to be like the most free free one, right? I mean, as far as like uh, freedom of speech is concerned. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I don't think Squarespace would knock us off for the things that we're talking about. At least not, not at this time. Yeah. We've left our past behind us. <laughs> uh, Isaac, why don't you introduce yourself? Like, so who are you and what are you doing on our podcast? Yeah, well, I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing on the podcast, but... Well, maybe you should introduce what you were about to say before you said you switched to Substack about our previous podcast, because I think that'll help introduce what Isaac is going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure what I was going to say, but I can say this instead. So we're, I mean, we're, if, if what you started didn't work out, didn't work out, I know words, I can put them together. If what you started didn't work out, I would love to hear about like how it didn't work out because I think one thing that we don't get from a lot of like business leaders is you learn a ton when you make mistakes and it's great if you can make, you know, you can figure out what that is and then kind of in the long term, but we, you know, and then, and then make it work. But 
a lot of times I think we forget the lessons that we learned as we learned them and we just tell a story to ourselves. And then that's that's kind of the narrative. And we have, uh, I forget the name of it. One of you guys might remember, but basically it's like the winners tell the story. Survivorship bias? Yeah, survivorship bias. Um, that would yeah, definitely be it. Nassim Tlaib is all about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've read <laughs> yeah. a little bit of his stuff. Um, but yeah, so uh, you, so Isaac, you are a professor. Currently. Currently a professor, and you have your PhD, so you're a doctor yep. of agriculture? Soil soil science. Like oh, what interesting. Most okay. refer to as dirt, which is heresy <laughs> as a soil scientist. but Oh, you can't call it, so it's not dirt science? No. no what? There's actually distinct, distinct definitions. Okay. I believe so, it would be blasphemy, not heresy, because heresy would ind- indicate some sort of schism, schism in the, the soil science domain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bl- blasphemy would be <laughs> more correct. Um, and it sounds like you started a company and went on hiatus with that company. Yeah. And and that's probably a more boring boring um, story than than you want to hear. Really, what happened is uh, I was in my postdoc and. I wasn't sure if I was going to get hired full-time at WSU. Mm-hmm. wasn't really sure where I was going to end up and was sort of looking around at options. And so then went through the sort of setting up a company because there was some folks coming to me and wanted me to do some work. And then ended up like running one project through that and, okay. um, and then got a full-time faculty position at, at WSU. And, and then, um, kind of put that on the back burner. I also started that with my brother who his life changed at the same time too. So it was one of those things. I think the, the boring story is basically like we thought we were going to have time for it. Uh-huh. Our employment circumstances, well, my employment circumstances changed his, his life circumstance changes had changes. And, and we basically said, oh, this isn't the time to do this. And, um, and so held off on it. Yeah. And so, um, I'll be actually leaving WSU this year and as, and, and looking to reboot as I leave WSU, which is public knowledge at this point, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I don't have to hold off on this uh, episode for a few months. No, no. <laughs> all the, all the right and important people have been told, I believe, um, at, okay. least, at least the, the direct, um, hierarchy above me has been told. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, we have a very wide listenership, so there's there's the chance that they would find out from this, and we wouldn't we wouldn't want that, Isaac. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but can you talk about where you're going after this? Yeah, what are you doing? So we're we're going to be, um, Lord willing, sometime this either late this fall or early in twenty three, be moving to Zambia, um, to the capital city, which is Lusaka, and there's a very very young christian college there called african christian university um i sort of hesitate to call it a university um because it's it sort of i think that um you know depending on which which continent you're on college and university mean different things um so you, you know if i believe over there if you say college it's sort of re- referring to high school oh and, hmm. and so for them it's african christian university 
for us, we would we would think of it more of um, sort of on the scale of what you would consider a liberal arts college in the U.S. Yeah. Or, or something like that. I think of um, think of New St. Andrews when it was starting, or um, some even smaller schools like uh, there's an agricultural focus. So maybe think of a really miniature version of Dort, uh, sort okay. of. Uh, so not not in the it wouldn't really fit the U.S. version of a or definition. I think of a of a university. Um, but there, if you called it a college, you you would fall off the opposite side and have a problem. <laughs> so, so Daniel may know about Dort. I I actually do not know about the Dort you're referring to. So, can you give our listeners a little bit of? Yeah, me neither. I just kind of smiled and nodded. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I'm gonna get this wrong. Dort is a is as some right some high or some loose connection to the Dutch reformed church in some way. Um, and I think, and I'm probably going to get the state wrong. It's one of those Midwest States. I think it's Iowa that it's in. So I'm sure some like URC person <laughs> is going to listen to this and be like, Oh no, <laughs> this is my uh, second heresy of the night. <laughs> um, I'd love and, some controversy around the Socratic comments. So. Yeah, no. so anyhow, they, um, so it's a like small Christian school with an agricultural degree, uh, also there. So it's liberal arts with agriculture, or it's specifically agriculture. I think it's more of a, a Christian college with agriculture. Okay. So what are you going to be doing at? Yeah. So so at ACU, I'll be uh, um, a lecturer. So on on teaching faculty um, with basically I'll be teaching in soils, sort of what I'm teaching right now, and all different ag things so okay cool and so is that how did you get connected up with them so and i I wish i could remember the right person to blame the right person did you say give credit yeah yeah (laughs) exactly Uh, (laughs) a guy named vody bacham came to to moscow a few years back to give a series of talks and i happened to be out of town but he mentioned that he was starting this school and some of my friends at the time heard about that from him and said, Oh, mm-hmm. Isaac's Isaac's like the perfect fit for this. You need to meet Isaac. And so Vodi and I exchanged some emails back in 2016, 2017. I can't remember the exact year, but before or after you got married, I actually can't remember if it was before or after it was right <laughs> around the time it, it was, it was like we were either engaged or just newly married. It was right in that time frame, and I'm sure you could go look back at like conferences and see when Vody was here, and it it was right around then. Anyhow, that that communication just kind of like he and I emailed back and forth, and kind of dwindled off. And then I was sort of pinging random email addresses I could find for ACU for about two years, um, and finally got the right one in 2019. And that's when I sort of established communication and said, Hey, I'd, I'd like to come work with you. Um, and, and the way it works is ACU is, is, isn't able to support, um, expat faculty. So, so basically all of our, our support has to come from somewhere in the United States. Okay. And so we, we started, we weren't sure if we wanted to go down that fundraising journey and mm-hmm. basically started, um, thinking about that, talking with, um, sort of elders, friends, counselors about whether that was a, a good or wise use of, of time and ended up 
thinking, well, we'll go out for a trip, just a visit, and then we'll then we'll make that call. And so yeah. we we planned to go out in October of 2020. Perfect time. And then this so the the parallel timeline to this is I got hired as faculty at, at WSU in September of 19. So it's kind uh, of these things were, were helping. Yeah. And so that was like kind of looking at that as a alternative career path that um, was really exciting. Hired into an oil seed position, um, which is what I have right now and has really been a, a fun job in a lot of ways. Yeah. So 2020 hit, we didn't travel at all internationally. Um, finally, we we were able to go out or I was able to go out just myself in September of 2021. And, um, and that was kind of a really confirming experience that, okay, this is what we want to do. We're in a place now where we think it would be a good idea to start trying to raise funds for this. And that started, sort of started the journey Yeah, we're on now still looking for support, but had some, some big, um, big donations slash pledges come through that, that really made us think, okay, we, we can do this this year. And yeah. so that's what we're, we're, we're pushing in and praying for. And, and, you know, there's, there's so many things like visas and all that sort of thing that for still sure. need to be worked out, but that's kind of what we're up to. Like what's the mission of the school or, you know, what would be your uh, assignment length or is, is it like, well, maybe forever or maybe a few, you know, few years or whatever. Yeah. So tentatively, I mean, our goal would be forever or at least mm-hmm. career length. So yeah. um, our, our goal would be basically our kids grow up there. That's, you know, that's like our life's work is, is um, helping build this place, um, build this university. We're, we're going to go with sort of a, an optional exit date of like go with a commitment for two years. Yeah. So move out there for two years, um, which we'll probably have like sort of a sabbatical at the end of that anyhow. And so for three months so come back to the u.s and sort of assess at that point okay is this you know is this working for the kids is this working for the family are we doing well as a family and and assess it then that then that's just i mean this is it's all very back of the envelope right now (laughs) you know it's like yeah and just talking to people who've done similar things and, and getting their advice yeah Chavo Frost, who's an elder at our church, he's spent a lot of years with Wycliffe in um, West Africa, mm-hmm. in Côte, Côte d'Ivoire, which I probably just, Ivory Coast, I probably just Ivory slaughtered Coast. the French there. <laughs> yeah, it's better just to say things in English when you can't speak French. <laughs> and uh, Especially given how well both our sisters know French. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he, um, he's been really helpful in guiding and, and helping me get things organized. And- yeah. So what's the mission of the school there? Is it to is it to build the community? Is it to grow people from not knowing very much about I mean it's like it's an agricultural school or it's a Christian school with an agricultural focus? I always get the mission statement wrong. So let me Oh, you're gonna look it up? Pull it up. Yeah. I've I've actually like written it down several times, copying and pasting. I wanna, really I wanna hear what you remember and then we can read the real one. That's a great idea. Okay, so it's it's it yeah. The the um so before I read the real one, it's something to the effect of conducting education with a Christian worldview um, with the idea that all areas of our life, whether it's soil science, whether it's engineering, whether it's business, mm-hmm. um, we should do with with sort of a with a Christian focus. And then um, there's also this part I really like in there um, about having a sort of, um, I don't know the right words to use here, but 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 making it um, also 
uniquely like African, if that makes sense. So, so like, I guess okay. culturally appropriate. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, and they, and they phrased this so much better than me, but that was actually okay. one of the things that really attracted me to the schools and also sort of striving after a, um, after academic ec- excellence. Um, and so that's, that, that was some of the things where I was like, okay, this is, this is something that when I first read their mission statement, I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is something I can get on board with. Something along the lines of redeeming the culture, not importing the culture. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the reasons this is so exciting for, for Isaac, you and your family, right. Is because you have been interested in doing this from a very young age. Yeah. And maybe after you read this mission statement, you can go into some of the, thoughts you've had over the years about Africa and how that's convert. I know we've had conversations about how that's converged with your love of soil science and learning and studying uh, God's creation. And if you can walk us through how those two threads have converged in your life uh, from a very young age up to the current present date where you've got this funding for a year, you've made, you've made the contacts, you've made the trip over there and you have all these confirming things, occurrences happening in your life, but all you, you got there because of some seeds way back early on that have continued to sprout. And sometimes literally seeds fallen by the wayside and then sprout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess that's a little autobiographical um, because these things do go a long ways back for me. Right. And, and Kyle's right. It's sort of this convergence of, of two, um, two interests slash desires that I've had from a pretty young age. And, and the first is um, sort of, I think it was somewhere when I was around 13 ish in that age, 12, 13, my dad, my dad was actually doing his undergraduate degree at that point. Um, as well as homeschooling or helping with homeschooling. My mom was doing most of homeschooling, but my dad was still really involved, I think teaching Latin at that point in our lives and, um, and doing drywall, running a drywall business. <laughs> pretty interesting, pretty busy, busy man at that point. Um, but I, I guess I made the, mis- the mistake of saying that I was, I was like bored or I didn't know what to read or something like that. And he gave me sort of this, I don't know, you even know what, what to call it. Um, maybe an ethnography, maybe just a sort of overview of what Bolivia, the country is like. So, so my dad gave me this, this book on Bolivia and, and it was a really um, sort of in-depth book about, you know, what life was like in Bolivia. And that would have been in the nineties and just, you know, the, the agriculture there and the, um, which is most at that point, the, the real cash crop was cacao. Um, so cocaine, right. Um, that was, that was where the money was coming from. Uh, and, and, uh, and that got me really interested in just learning about other, um, countries and cultures and specifically sort of this desire to, I guess, um, and this sounds really prideful from where I've come now, where it's like, I had this idea that you could go as, as something like an agronomist and go help these countries, you know, sort of work their way out of, um, Mm. poverty, which is interesting because, and this completely side, side sidetracked sort of part of discussion, but I mean, we've, 
we meaning oh yeah yeah sort of the the aid slash help and i don't want to dive into that discussion because i've only read a little bit on it um but it it sort of became clear to me that a lot of a lot of what we've we've done probably wasn't the most useful Mm. sort of sort of activities and i'm sure there's experts in that who would disagree and experts who would agree so if anybody wants to dive into that they can read the book dead aid and and see how they feel about that what see how they feel after reading you said it was dead aid yep and it was actually written by a, a woman from zambia um about sort of the i believe she's from from zambia and went and got her doctorate in economics at uh, oxford one of those fancy fancy schools in the uk but anyhow so that was sort of my original plan was you know along the lines of maybe like sort of peace corps hmm. side of, side of things and and ended up um trying to figure out what what i could study at university that would be useful in in that sort of place and sort of fell into agriculture looking back it doesn't seem so accidental um my, my mom had studied botany a little bit in college and and we'd always gardened and and that whole side of things had always fascinated me from a really young age um but I, the sort of ironic thing about it is i went into agriculture because i didn't want to do medicine or engineering because engineering had too much math and medicine was going to be too long at the university and now i've been either a student at university or teaching in university for well over a decade. Um, so that's kind of the, the irony With of a focus life. on statistics. <laughs> yeah. Use a lot of statistics. Yeah. I wouldn't say a focus on statistics, but I, but I have actually taught some statistics now, which makes the irony even worse, but it might offend some statisticians, but I never think of statistics as math. I, I think of it as logic <laughs> applied to numbers, which maybe that's just what math is. <laughs> maybe that's my way of saying I don't do math. that's funny yeah and so that that was sort of um so it started running start at either 16 or 17 which is the community college program which is close to the time we met daniel actually because i just wrapped up running start and i went to wsu vancouver and -hmm. that's where we crossed paths kind of that bible study or group of friends there yeah and did all my basic biology chemistry plant physiology there and then moved out to WSU for the uh, higher level WSU Pullman for the higher level ag degrees. Um, and during that time, really agriculture and specifically agricultural science became something that wasn't so much anymore a vehicle to um, move me overseas, which is how I'd sort of originally seen it. It's like, okay, I need to get a science degree. So I have some. So while Isaac figures out his, <laughs> figures out his technology, <laughs> Uh, his face is. I think it'd be helpful to take this time to just maybe debrief about what James talked about with us about interviewing people who have worked in business or worked mm-hmm. for themselves, started entrepreneurial endeavors. And one of my ideas by about starting with Isaac is, yeah, one he's a friend of both of ours. He's he's been on the show before, mm-hmm. and the. The second component to this is he's run a business for a couple of years. Yeah. And then I was talking to another friend who's a new professor at University of Colorado Boulder. And he was commenting on how the, the academic life is very entrepreneurial in the sense that 
sure you have your safe job in the sense that you're teaching students, running classes, grading papers, but most of your job is actually writing grants and mm -hmm. setting up research. So there's a very entrepreneurial component to academia, mm -hmm. which I think also plays into why there have been there's been a significant amount of crossover between people who have been in academia, the president, and then moved into running their own company. The, the president of the company I work for, that he was in academia, did some research, and then turned that research into the business that is now Schweitzer Engineering Laboratories. Yeah. So I talk about Tiny Habits. It's the same story, but he started his own company based on all the research that he's done. Um, my wife, her PI at the lab that she works in, like she has to run her own, it's an, her, her own entire thing. Like she does all the budgeting. She does the forecasting. She has to pull in, um, pull in money from grants and different things. And there's always, you know, it's kind of the same concern that I have felt from, you know, from my, my, the private companies that I've worked for where it's like, it's, you know, it's a little bit different. Your customer, so to speak, is a little bit different when you're writing grants, but it's the way that different labs treat each other can be, I'm not going to say cutthroat necessarily, but they're a lot of times going after the same money. And so, right. um, and I think that it's a lot more limited because there's only so many people giving away money um, for education. It's not, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you have a smaller customer base. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have expected before I knew that about academia i wouldn't have expected that it seems much more like a bureaucratic machine that's kind of just humming along and if you you know come in do do the thing you're gonna be all right on the other side the kind of the way that it is with really large companies or like the bureaucracy kind of just i don't know i got the idea that teachers can coast at a certain point but i think that's that's maybe uh, at the risk of offending some of our future guests that's possibly true in uh, below college university level, but I think once you're, I think it's pretty difficult to do that once you're in, once you're in a college setting, even, even tenured professor. Well, since you brought up tiny habits, my guess is that plays into it where once you've spent 10 years working your way up through tenure, writing grants, it's not like you're going to just flip a switch and stop doing that. That's mm. the life you know. That's the life that you have grown to enjoy. I don't know if you've... Have you read Grit by Angelo Duckworth? No. Essentially, the the main point of the book was came down to you will eventually grow to appreciate and enjoy the work you become good at. And you become good at work mm. by deliberately practicing it. Yeah, that sounds a lot of, a lot like Cal Newport's um be so good they can't ignore you. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a similar message. Um and he he spends the first I don't know how long um essentially like taking apart do what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because in college you like reading books and hanging out at coffee shops and having fun with your friends and like it's actually really hard to make money at that. Or, yeah. And so if you get good at something, you start to enjoy it. Like if you start out trying to enjoy something like to only make money at something that you enjoy, it's like, well, there's a learning curve. And once you have a certain proficiency, then 
you get the flywheel going and then and then you got one thing and then that opens up other doors later and so on and such forth. Another component to this, there, there are a bunch of different ways we can go off of that. But another component that I thought about with this is I remember reading somewhere that there are three ways to build wealth. There are three assets, you might call them, that enable you to build wealth. And the three that were listed were real estate, stocks, and then your own business. Okay. And I was thinking about what makes me more or less interested about each one of those. And I think the thing that makes me really intrigued to hear stories about people who are more running their own business is it's more personal than say the stock market is. There's a certain depersonalization that comes with analyzing the financial fundamentals of different companies and deciding whether you want to invest. And so I'd almost rather just put it, put most of my money that's invested in stocks in an index fund and take what the market gives me there. And then when it comes to real estate, people would undoubtedly quibble with this, but my perception is it's not as technical as some of the aspects that you might get into with running a business there's a little there's a little more simplicity to the idea of you, you find a good property at a good price and you buy it you rent it out or lease it and allow appreciation to bring up the value while your tenants pay off your mortgage and so you're using the leverage to provide put value into the real estate which then allows you to leverage off of that and you wash, rinse, repeat. I don't think that people would disagree with you that that is easier than running a new and starting a new business. Not for the most part. I think starting and running uh-huh. a, a business. I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree that it's easier to do real estate than to start a business that's doing something kind of unique or you just have, I don't know. I've known lots of people who do that in addition to a full-time job. Right. And I don't think that it's especially taxing. It's really easy to subcontract some of those things out. Anyway, um, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought, though. Well, the conclusion of it now that Isaac is back is just that running your own business seems like a nice intersection of the personal and the technical. Hmm. And and that's what I'd love to get out of this uh, refresh or reboot of the Socratic Hobbits is getting at the both the personal and the technical aspects of what people are are doing with hmm. their entrepreneurial endeavors, if you will. That sounds good. Isaac, are you back? Can you hear us? I am back. I, I'm a little bit worried because we must so we're we're experimenting with Starlink, which overall it's been really good. But the <laughs> they they must be running low on some satellites right now. So I'll give because, you one a call. Let yeah, you know what's up. yeah. If you could do just that, tweet, be, tweet him. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> just be like, "Come on, Elon." We're trying to have a, a podcast here. What are you doing? Yeah, I'll, so, I'll follow him on our our Twitter and then tweet at him. Yeah, I yeah. assume that was you that logged into our Twitter. From yeah, from Moscow, Idaho. It said Boise actually. Oh, it said Boise. It told me it said Moscow. I thought on the email. That doesn't matter. Kyle's I'm asking his IP. Doesn't For want sure. To know where he lives. Not very. 
Not very far, though. Yeah. <laughs> Better if you can make it run through Russia, man. <laughs> uh, then we'd get blocked. Um... <laughs> no, just then no one could send us any dollars. They'd have to pay us in rubles. Wait, so Kyle, what were you saying, though, about um, trying to, I guess, the the business real estate versus stocks versus business? So just to... <laughs> right. Right. To to recap what I was talking to Daniel about, when when we had James on last last time, he said he suggested to us a really exciting idea to I think both Daniel and I that we have people have guests on who can talk to us about their small business or entrepreneurial type endeavors and just get a sense of what it's been like to do entrepreneurial type things. And I was explaining to Daniel, some of my interest in that comes back to, there are three ways that I've heard of, read about to build wealth. And those are real estate stocks and running your own business. And I see running your own business as a really intriguing intersection of the personal aspect of real estate and the technical aspect of stocks. And it, I mean, I think it's it's also the probably the most life consuming. That too, and so it makes for interesting discussions. Yeah, I think also part of why it's interesting to me is like with with business and I mean entrepreneurial. I can't say that word very good. Uh, when people go into business for themselves, you have a lot of um, there's a lot of risk, and you you get one of two things from that risk. You either get reward or lessons. And those are both really interesting to me. And there's so many small ways that you can fail and it not be uh, endeavor ending. And you can learn those lessons. And I don't know, it's just fun to talk with to talk with people. So something I haven't told Kyle, but another person that I'm that I'm hoping to have on would be David Schneiderwin and talk to him about, okay, you built your own house. What did you learn? What would you do different? Um, and then negotiating that with a job that was out of town and, um, there was a lot going on in his life at that time. There's still a lot, but to just kind of talk through some of that, cause that's not its own business, but it's definitely a big task. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I've never, I mean, there's always like the part of you that fantasizes about building a house, but I'm, I've watched enough people build their own houses. I would I'd probably rather never do that. Uh, and, and saying that, I probably will end up doing that because oh, yeah. I also I also was like, man, I don't ever want to buy a house that I need to remodel to live in and definitely did Been that. Been there, done that. Yeah, doing exactly. that. <laughs> doing that. I think so, the uh, worst part about building a house would probably be that knowing me and my wife, we would probably remodel things down the road. <laughs> Just That would probably drive me nuts. It's like we we thought we wanted one thing and then like, ah. Uh. Oh, man. The intriguing part about asking people about the the businesses or choices they've made regarding uh, entrepreneurial type activities is the backstory. And mm-hmm. Isaac, getting back to your backstory, you had just taken us to Pullman when the internet conked <laughs> out on you. So if you don't mind uh, taking us back there as you were going to Pullman and Daniel will masterfully splice this. Yes. <laughs> into a flawless trend. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I got up, got to Pullman, I think 2009 with the intention of just being here a year or two and heading home. And then, and that's when I really started, I think I was saying this started to sort of love, um, agricultural science, especially soil science for what it was and not for sort of a, um, as a vehicle to get me other places in, in life or on the globe and started working then with, sorry, I'm watching my, my outages here. Well, I guess it looks like, Oh, that's all right. We can't see your video anyway. We, we <laughs> looked at, it looked like another one was coming up and I was going to stop talking. But now you just have to cut me out talking out about outages. I'm not gonna, I'm going to leave it in Isaac. <laughs> I think that that's fine. Um, and so at that time, I actually um, started working in the lab for the um, professor who, who eventually became my doctoral advisor, uh, Dr. Bill Pan. And one of the one of the great things about Bill Pan is that he um, he's probably one of the more creative scientists I've ever met, uh, which which was a natural fit for me because as a as a kid, I'd always been more drawn to the arts. Than the sciences, uh, especially sort of um, visual arts, and and he was doing this thing where he would put uh, scanners in a waste tub, like literally, like a think of your office trash can, and he would bury a scanner in there, um, and grow plants next to it. So you'd bury it under the soil in there, grow plants next to it, and um, basically watch the roots grow and make. Uh, at that, that point, we weren't even making videos actually. Um, we were just sort of trying to quantify different things that were happening with the roots. Hmm. So I started doing some of that. I think I started working off on, on faba beans uh, and studying nodulation, which I, if you don't know, that's, that is fi fine. If you do, it's great too. I, we can, we'll save that for a different podcast. If you ever want to talk about nodules, it's actually more interesting than what I, than anything else we did probably. Um, and at that point kind of um, decided Oh, this is really interesting, but I, I still wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. So I got out of undergrad, and at that point, um, Dr. Pan had said, "Well, if you're ever interested in grad school, come back here. We'd we'd really like to have you." Um, at that point, I wasn't ready for grad school. I I didn't feel like I had the the practical knowledge I wanted to have about agriculture, and I just kind of wanted to try my hand at sort of large scale industrial agriculture. What? took you from student to being in Dr. Pan's lab? So literally taking his class, which is the class that I teach now uh, at WSU, which is, and he showed some pictures in class from what they were doing. And I went up to him after class and said, can I work in your lab? Uh -huh. and, and so he hired me on as, as a time slip. So that, that was the start of it. Um, and I also needed kind of, I needed a funny schedule of work because I was leaving to go to New Zealand in, in July and very few ag jobs can you start, you know, during the semester and mm -hmm. leave in July. So he was he was really um, open to my schedule and excited that I was going to try and study abroad, that which is what I was doing in New Zealand. So mm -hmm. I I worked there, and that would have been in 2010. So sort of uh, mid semester, I think it was it could have um, like March or something of 2000. Um, 2010 to uh to july of 2010 and then that's when i got introduced to the, the scanning projects um and headed down to new zealand after that then came back and and got right back to work in the lab 
um, sometime that that fall and actually wrote a, a not a thesis but like an undergraduate project on correlating the color of soil to the moisture of soil which was kind of a fun it was it was those were my first all-nighters in the lab actually was on that project as an undergrad where um, you would have to like slowly let the soil dry down and then um, take pictures of it as it as it dried down and we didn't have that automated at that point so like taking pictures was literally being in there and taking pictures and at that point you're actually like throwing it in a drying oven and then taking it back out and um and taking a picture and then putting it back in the drying oven and measuring the was it the was it the kind of picture that you got to shake and then it comes out no no this was scanner office scanners oh this this is all with office scanners um and now now it's like man i would love to go back and mentor my younger self through that project because there were so many things i didn't understand just about research and about how it works and and filtering noise out of data and Mm. um, developing correlations because we were our whole thing was trying to correlate the moisture of the soil to the color of the soil and now it's like oh man if i could go back it would just be a it'd be really interesting but i guess that's learning right yeah talking to Daniel and, and learning those experiences. Um, but that was great. So those were my first kind of long research days and, and getting to learn a little bit about what that lifestyle was like. And then, yeah, graduated in 11 and went, went to, um, straight to, to farming in the Columbia basin as an intern on one of the largest potato um, farms in Washington at the time. And that was complete adventure, uh, for me very very useful experience as far as i i had very little mechanical sort of hands-on like i mean I'd, I'd rebuilt some small motors um and things at that point in my life but i i really hadn't i don't think ever been in a like day in day out into circumstances where you were running into equipment it's like oh that's broken fix that oh that's not working right fix that watch out see you know just it was a lot of like maintenance and and um and I really, I think at that point I learned, okay, I don't want to do this. It was the big thing I learned. <laughs> um, but I also got comfortable with skills that I'd never had before, just things like driving tractors. Um, and and if you'd grown up on a farm, it would have been, you know, second nature. But I'd, I'd grown up in the city and with a mm-hmm. garden, and so I didn't have those skills. And so that was really, really valuable. But came to the end of that, uh, came to potato harvest, and... So, okay, this is not going to be where I spend the rest of my life. So uh, put in some graduate school applications at a few different places, um, but really wanted to come back to WSU and ended up coming back to WSU. Um, jumped right into the PhD program, which I wouldn't recommend, actually, um, in hindsight. Uh, it, was, it was really good, but I, I do think I would recommend a master's for most folks. Okay. Yeah, really interesting experience in grad school where I had a project down in Prosser, um, really integrated in with the USDA folks down there. And about halfway through that project, um, the USDA decided it was moving those folks because it's a it's a federal agency. It can, it can do that. It can decide where they want to move people. And so that was actually going to be on potatoes and corn and wheat. And I'd kind of I was doing the root scanning stuff on the side for Dr. Pan, but then was kind of 
came up without a project where my 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 dissertation project was kind of going away from me and <laughs> and said okay i need something else to to flesh out this dissertation and so um thankfully you had a creative mentor yeah yeah he, he said well you you've already been doing all the all the work on this as sort of you know um, just working on projects that aren't yours is, is something that we'd always done in the lab and just to help other people out. And he said, you're already working on this. Why don't you just uh, write a chapter of your dissertation on that? So I have a very, um, if you go and ever pull up my dissertation, which please never do, um, it's a very like, <laughs> it's, it's, there's, a, there's a chapter on um, political science because of a fellowship I got. So there's a chapter on um, sort of, how the politics are around research and where the money gets spent on on nitrogen loss research in the environment there's a chapter on potatoes corn wheat nitrogen cycles and there's another chapter on um on this root scanning stuff so that's that's kind of the it's it, it's a really it's a hodgepodge um, yeah it's a i i guess i would say it's got some really good breadth to it you know if I, if I <laughs> that's a good way to just, sell it yeah exactly um and then was kind of that so finished my dissertation right at the same time we got married so i was just figuring i would link your link your dissertation in our show notes (laughs) (laughs) if you want to link a paper on this it's cool i can i can i can send you the paper that's neat Um, no no no. i want your dissertation (laughs) you can send me you can send me something and i'll link it i'm trying i'm still trying to figure out how to do show notes with a new 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 thing Substack. well yeah. so maybe i'll just be thankful that you haven't figured out show notes yet i'm gonna find out for your dissertation <laughs> so if you have something you'd prefer me to do instead then, then that's fine um, um that was fascinating how valuable it was that dr pan had you guys cross training mm-hmm. basically so you had an out yeah when what you thought was going to be your primary dissertation dried up i agree Unfortunately, I think Isaac is too frozen. This might be a short. This might be a short new, episode. Using his new Starlink internet. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah, you just this, can't. Win this is not losing. an ad for Starlink. This is definitely the worst. <laughs> the worst it's ever been. I'm, I'm sure Starlink would oh, blame man. it on my. Um, I hope you're. It's keeping all of his. <laughs> oh, he just went offline. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Okay, one one random tweet, and then we'll that someone just sent to me, and we'll uh, get back to the episode. Someone just sent me a tweet about, uh, I guess Jack Dorsey made a an NFT out of his first tweet and sold it for two point eight million or something. This is the story, anyway. That's... And then the the buyer tried to list it for two like thirty million or something like that. Uh huh. And the auction ended at two hundred and eighty dollars. Uh, did you make this canoe? I would rather talk about that than NFTs. No, oh. no, it's a, um, it's a. Did you paint it? Terrible, terrible old fiberglass canoe that Faith and I used in our engagement pictures, and my brother was going to toss, and so you, I like went saved and it, fixed it all mm-hmm. up, and painted it. Okay, yeah. it's one of those projects where it's like there's no way this is worth <laughs> the time, but it was really that's, fun. That's not a bad way to spend some time. Yeah. So. And we'll use it this summer. Hopefully, it'll be like, yeah, we're gonna try and stock up on Idaho Adventures this summer. Well, at the end, you can um, put some wood in it, set it on fire, and push it into a lake. Are we gonna be able to do Hell's Canyon before you depart? 
We that that is probably the most serious question we've had on this podcast <laughs> so far. <laughs> I'm actually, you know, Kyle. I think I'll be in the shape though, because that was my problem last year. Is I did not think I was in the shape to do. I, I, I'm like probably in the best shape I've been in, in four years or five years now. Thank you, jujitsu. No joke. I I know the first time you told me that that jujitsu could like be your one-stop shop for fitness i was like there's no way there's just no way you can get the cardio (laughs) passing drills i like (laughs) anybody who doesn't think that you can get cardio from jujitsu do three minutes of passing drills nonstop. yep and and you will change your mind (laughs) just just do the toriano pass for three minutes straight and if you do that it'll yeah so so do a so Daniel basically get into you can do this without a partner. You you get into like a gorilla position with your hands and feet on the floor mm-hmm. and then you do a baseball slide and then you pop back up hands and feet and then do a baseball slide to the other side mm-hmm. and then pop back up hands and feet baseball slide to the other side and do that for 5 or 3 minutes. So Kyle you you're going to have to show me how to do this solo because I've only been able to get Oh, I didn't mean that as actually practicing it i just mean that's essentially what you're doing oh, is okay, you're yeah. on your hands and feet and then you do a baseball slide and so you're on the ground and then you get back up mm-hmm. i mean it's more of a knee slice but either way well but doesn't cardio doesn't cardio need like gotta be doing it for like 20 minutes just because you get your heart rate up for three minutes doesn't that's not cardio hey there's been some good research on this is a total tangent but there's been some good research You've never done one on, of those before true <laughs> okay sorry on interval started the on, same sentence where, a few times there's that's where high some... intensity <laughs> that's where high intensity interval training comes in and they found that you can get a decent uh increase in your vo2 max which is generally the measurement of cardiovascular performance hmm. doing high intensity intervals. Okay. So I haven't really put this to the test as far as, you know, seeing how it's affected my like distance running or anything like that. Um, but it's gotta be. So when, I mean, I've told you this, Isaac, I think, but when I was doing jujitsu three to four days a week for an hour or two a day, hour to a session, I went out and ran a mile and I ran it in the same time I ran a mile when I was running cross country yeah. in high school, which I could not have done if I That's... was just playing basketball or I was also playing basketball at the time. So that was going on too. But if I'd just been playing basketball and lifting weights, I couldn't have gone out and run a mile in that time. Hmm. And the, the other big thing for me is I've, so since starting jujitsu, I think I've lost, well, let's say it was like 245 when I started. I'm, I'm like between 220 and 215 now. So, hoping to hit like 210 by the end of the summer which that for me that translates into being able to do more downhill mm-hmm. hiking um, without my knees just really getting yeah. killed by it so so i think that's that's definitely as far as hell's canyon goes that's definitely a, a perk yeah. there yeah it's easier to take weight off of you than it is to take it out of your pack yeah and the other thing is last time we went backpacking him as a family it wasn't all in one load, but if you kind of like, I, because I was hiking in and out to get the gear in and out, if you look at it, I like I ended up pulling something like 80 pounds out. Um, How much? And 80. 
And so I figure every every pound I can take off me is another pound I can take yeah. on the pack. For sure. I don't know if that logic works. No, no, it definitely does. Don't even worry about it. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> My story and I'm sticking to it. Um, do we want to keep going or? Yeah. So you were talking about your dissertation. Yeah. I yeah think. So, and yeah, so I was just saying right around that time got married. Um, so this would have been like uh, December of 16, uh, defended in, in December of 16 and then went straight into, um, teaching in kind of a weird position as a postdoc. Um, so I was a postdoctoral, um, research assistant i think is what it's either assistant or associate i always get these things confused the official terminology and this is right around the time you're having these email exchanges with Vodi. yeah um and also but and at that point um newly married yeah so so within a year got married um completed my dissertation and had our first child all within actually yeah so we got married in December of 16. I got my dissertation, taught my first class that spring um, while we were trying to um, maintain contact and talk with Vodi. And then um, Corinne was born in November of, of, of 17. So it was a pretty busy year. I always said that that was, I wish I had, I had, the only things I wish I'd done, I wish I'd bought a house and, and started a business that year. And then I could have just checked everything off in 2017. And it was already crazy enough. I kind of was like, might as well add, add a few more things. You would have gotten a better deal in the house. Yeah, no, exactly. And actually, we were looking at houses um, during that time. Actually, looked at a duplex really similar to the one we ended up buying in Pullman. And it was going for 180 at the time. Um, so, which I don't have place has to be worth over 300 now oh you can't find a duplex in pullman for under 350 i wish we could yeah. find a house for under 300 or 350 there's like there's nothing available over here less than like 400 something like that 70 so any i mean yeah yeah anyhow i um but was kind of going through the postdoc thing and um wanted to at that point, I wasn't sure. So the Africa conversation had kind of fizzled out. Um, and then a job opened up at WSU that I was really excited about, which is my current position, which was an oilseed agronomist for Washington State University. Um, and it was an extension focus, uh, but with with teaching still. So it had teaching, research, and extension, which looking back from where I am now, maybe that wasn't a, a great idea to try and do all three. Um, because I could have definitely performed better. Um, oh, so, so then the very root story is before that job opened up and before I, I got it, I was kind of trying to figure out, okay, if, if I don't fit in at the university and I really love this root scanning stuff, is there another way to monetize it? I'd had a few people approach me about running projects for them. And so was, I started down that path of, you know, talk and like figuring out um, if we could do it uh sort of from wsu's perspective and then also just um from you know as far as ip goes and also just as far as like um uh what what it would take to set up a business and talk to my brother and, and he was interested in, in setting up the business and so he um set that up with me um and he did all the e setting up emails llc and stuff like that um, but really ran like two projects kind of um, gratis, <laughs> more or less, um, just trying to get off the ground. 
and then yeah. got hired into this position that I'm in now and, and sort of said, okay, uh, that was a, a pretty decent salary bump for me. Um, and it was a much more focused time consuming job. And so jumped into that and, and that's, uh, kind of put very root on hold now that I'm, I'm going to be leaving this position, getting ready to basically wake very root back up. Um, so, Oh, sorry. What is very root exactly? Is it, it's a root scanning. Yeah. So it's just taking exactly the stuff that's in my dissertation. Um, so yeah, if you want to figure out how to do it, I guess that'd be the thing to do is go read the <laughs> dissertation, see how close you can get. Um, I, and, and I think no. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just taking that and basically applying it for fertilizer companies who, mm. who wanted to analyze how their products affected root growth. So I'm oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So we've done like a little project for, um, we did a project for a company up in, in Canada and um, just one locally. And those were the two kind of like pilot projects before closing down shop and, and, and getting it and going into the job I have now. And then that's, and then probably going to, yeah. So really we just make root videos. It's literally all we do. Uh, it, it's really cool. You can actually make the videos so you can actually see single cell um, root hairs, which are just these basically the the epidermis of the root, which just the root skin, right? Um, the hmm. Some of the cells on there elongate and turn into root hairs, which increases the surface area of the roots yeah. quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. And that increased surface area um, basically is responsible for a lot of root root function hmm. and so we can see that uh in our videos you can actually see see the root hairs when they grow how how big they are um how long they are things like and that. and what you've mentioned to me before isaac is that the idea is that a company would come to you looking to promote a particular soil treatment that they have you would take photos yep. of or videos of their roots with their soil treatment and roots either with no treatment or with say a competitor's soil treatment. And then they would take these videos, package them up, show them to farmers or co-ops and say, Hey, this is why you should use our soil treatment, not their soil treatment. You're exactly right. So it's in, whereas my dissertation was really focused on sort of the fundamental science around how fertilizers and roots interact with each other and visualizing that this is more visualizing from a marketing perspective, right? So like, uh, a company is is making a claim that root growth is inc- increased with a certain product, and and we can actually not just assess that and show a data table, but actually make a video mm. of that. And and so that's kind of the the product is really the product is is either photos or videos um, of of roots growing. So it um, and actually I have like a little YouTube channel I I did just for I upload some of these. Yeah. Um, so right now there's not a lot on there um but it's called cool uh, let me get you the it's just called cool roots or something like that and i think i have i uh have five subscribers so socratic hobbits can be your mm. sixth no we don't subscribe to that kind of stuff dr isaac madsen has x-ray oh vision. that's a podcast oh, yeah i it. did not pick that title but um that's with yara <laughs> Right, I think is that a Yara podcast? Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's Yara? Yara is is one of the world's largest fertilizer companies. Okay. So, um, 
really really cool people that work there. I thought you were. If you listen to that. I'm oh, sorry. I, I, if you listen to that podcast, I think it was with um, can't remember the name of the host, but the other uh, researcher on there is uh, Rob Nicholson, mm-hmm. um, who used to be at IPNI, and he, he's he's really encouraged me in all these scanning endeavors and been quite excited about them. Mm-hmm. I thought you were just on our podcast, Isaac. I'm, oh no, man. I'm a little. I just feel yeah. like you've been playing both sides now. It's a little yes. disappointed. <laughs> Not an all-exclusive guest. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to add it up the other day because WSU has a podcast for uh, called Wheat Beats mm-hmm. or Wheat Beat, and I think I've been on that cool okay like five times now. Wow, it might be more than five times. So we've only had you on here twice, and then I was on another podcast um, where I got a lot of hate for being involved in canola research. <laughs> People would hate not canola. Yeah, somehow it got like it was for like it was designed for Washington growers. Okay, um, and then somehow it got somebody in Portland or Seattle picked it up. <laughs> well, it's not like any of your friends or relatives are really into pseudo clean eating or anything. Not <laughs> all natural diets. Well, let's let's not go down that path. I noticed, I noticed, Isaac, that there's a lot of paths that you're like, well, and there's this, but we're not going to talk about that. And here's a potential <laughs> well, rabbit yeah. trail, but I uh, just want to nip that one off at the bud. Well, that is a good agricultural metaphor. It's really intentional. There's like, right, there's um, some of those would be great to go down. It's uh-huh. just you never have the time to do it justice, which the food one would, would be fat. I mean, that's a great one to talk about. Yeah. But it's just the amount of time it takes to actually dig into an issue like that and, and do it any sort of a justice so long. It's yeah. really easy to sort of soundbite it, but not actually think about That's it. That's one of the benefits of a PhD, I think, is it gives you the perspective to realize, oh, I don't actually know enough to talk about this. Whereas someone of the master's mm-hmm. or bachelor's is going to go, oh, I'll totally spout off about this. Oh, yeah. I read this article. Yeah, actually, I just read the headline, so uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole nother topic. <laughs> Have you? I mean, but you know the, um, you know the the saying, right? In your bachelor's, you learn something. In your master's, you learn you know nothing. And in your PhD, you know you learn nobody knows anything. Uh, I haven't heard that before, but it is. I don't have a master's or a PhD, but I have learned how little I know about certain things over the last. Few I feel years. like it's mostly if you have a and, curious mind, um, and you keep learning, you learn how little you know. Yeah, I think what, man, I I don't know if it's just the construction industry or you just start to really like poke and prod into certain things, but you find out that there's a lot of bluster. Like people, people at least seem like they know something and then you start asking questions and they're like, I don't know, I don't know why that is or why, like why we do it that way or um, who found that out or like, that's just how we do it. And they're like, there's, you know, you see that lack of a curious mind and, and it's just like, okay, well maybe that's something we could rethink. Well, and that's always interesting. There's another rabbit trail we shouldn't go down, but it's sort of like epistemology, right? I mean, how, mm. how frequently and how deep should you ask the question why from a sort of a utility perspective, right? And I think it varies person by person, but yeah. like ultimately you can keep asking why forever. And, and I've, I, I went there at a point in my life that wasn't so great and went as deep as I care to go and decided it's like the human mind can only do so much. 
Hmm. You know, and and the, and ultimately at the end of the day, I don't think there's like a a sort of oh a holistic rational way to prove the answer to like why <laughs> I guess if you just keep asking why which now I, I have a two-year-old who asks me why every time I ask him to do something so I don't know if that's genetic or training I think I'm, I'm getting I'm I'm paying for everything that I did my parents are very pleased with my three-year-old oh yeah for doing very Same similar thing? things to me and <laughs> like ah your comeuppance yeah. well Kyle you you are the only person I know who I, how old were you when you told your was it your mom or your dad? You must not have been very well educated. I was four or five. <laughs> that was my mom. <laughs> I think I think that was after the sixth or seventh why. <laughs> she was just being honest. She didn't know the answer, Kyle. And you're just like, ah, you're a dummy. I'll find someone who knows better. Well, it's not even that. It's just that Kyle said, well, you must have not had a very good education. Uh, <laughs> uh, you probably had no malice when you said it either. I don't think Corinne knows what an education is, and she's four. Well, I'm curious, Isaac, how do you see rebooting Veriroot going with moving to Africa, starting teaching at a new university, having your family in an entirely new country. That seems like a lot right there. I, I don't know how much ACU is expecting you to take on relative to the work you have right now, but there's a certain amount of support that you have in the States right now. Yeah. The only way that very, the reboot is actually successful is if I can figure out, um, basically if I can figure out a way for somebody here to be dedicated to the day-to-day -day operation Okay, and, and, I'll be um, doing things that I can already do 100% remotely, which are basically um, guiding how the video should be made and then also um, connecting with the folks in the agricultural industry who have products that they want run, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so I, I, I know a lot of, not a lot, but a, a fair number of, of folks who are involved in you know fertilizer industry or, or something like that. And um, and and that's kind of the the target, right? Is is those? So so I would be working with that side of things. Um, and you know, moving to Zambia and working at ACU, it's going to be extremely steep learning curve, both from a societal, you know, living in a different culture, um, helping, being a good father, being a good husband, and you know, I I think like in a lot of ways this sort of move is always more difficult for the family um, than it is for somebody like me where, you know, I, I've, I've been to parts of Southern Africa before, even before going in 2020. And I've been to quite a few different countries in the world. And um, I'm pretty, I guess, comfortable and sort of physically uncomfortable scenarios. Um, and so I think that that's going to take up a lot of time, but one of my, hopes for ACU actually um, they have a senior thesis requirement for the ag majors is to get some students who are interested in in running similar experiments there and actually letting them play around with this and you know pass it off to the next generation of undergrads but um, pass it off to them in Zambia is sort of a you know it's the one of the fun things about it is that um, it's, it's fairly cheap slash 
in the research world, extremely cheap technology. Hmm. So there's no reason you can't run it in in Zambia compared to, you know, running it in the U.S. Um, whereas a lot of, if you think of a lot of research, um, you know, so so some other, um, and I'm going to get this wrong. Kyle will get this right, but some other re- root research has actually used like particle accelerators to image root hairs in three dimensions. Wow. Um, and that's a pretty cool paper. Um, and, and I think it's a particle accelerator. I get really like, once you get out of the, <laughs> once you get into that realm, I'm like, I don't know how this is exactly working. Yeah. Um, the physics get beyond me pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but I could pass the paper on to Kyle. I'm sure Kyle, you'd actually have a better idea of what's going on there. But I think they used the accelerator then and basically did an x-ray with it is or like a imaging of some kind. Oh, they did a CAT scan. Yeah. Oh. And and they were able to actually visualize one of these root hairs where I can kind of see them growing in two dimensions. They visualized it in three dimensions going into a soil colloid. And it's so if you're gonna link something in the notes, yeah. Toss the dissertation. Um <laughs> do the cat scan sure. of roots. Which there's been root scans for a long time, cat scans. Um but um this was really neat. So you got it just the right it time. Was, uh the root hair. Well, it was more the resolution because mm-hmm. you're talking about a single cell. I wonder if that would be a CAT scan. I think you have to. Um, you'll have to send it to me, Isaac, because I don't think I'm going to find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, right? I'll try and send it to you after this show. Yeah, no worries. The recording, because I know it's. No, I just I know that I've given presentations where I've cited their paper before, mm. so I can go back to one of those. Okay. And and then Kyle can check and make sure I'm not lying about physics or something like. Oh that. no no no! I'm not cutting any of this. So. We'll just, I don't fix things in post. I cut things in post. <laughs> It'd be pretty awkward. So I, anyhow, like, yeah. I say, you say CT scan and I just, you know, over voiceover and like, yes. I don't know. So the, the reboot of very root will a little bit rely on me being um, really removed from it because I think most of the clients who can afford it are here in the U S then the flip side will be the um, setting up the, the labs which are mostly teaching labs, but also like undergraduate research level stuff in Zambia. We'll try to do that, which I think it's fairly safe to say nobody's done this on African soils yet. Basically that we're going to be relying on somebody here. I'm going to need to basically have somebody here running it. And then, um, but then the, the other side is actually bringing the ideas and knowledge to the university in Zambia and, hopefully finding some students who are excited enough about it that we could do it as an undergrad right. project um, for them. And that would be pretty neat because, and maybe this got cut out, um, but I I really think that, uh, I don't think anybody's done it on soils in in, in Africa yet. So Yeah, um, that'd be pretty cool. What is it like to get published if you're not in the university setting? I mean, could you write a paper with the, with your students at ACU and get it published in a uh, egg journal. So publishing fees can be pretty expensive, actually. So even, I mean, not like not like research equipment, equipment expensive, but you know. So I, I forget what the last paper I published. Like, if I wanted to publish it open source, I think it was like close to five thousand dollars. Whoa! Um, wow. I, and and now now some publisher is going to come after me and be like that's not right, but it was actually fairly expensive. I was kind of surprised um, at the cost, and so I, ACU and I will definitely not have those funds. So 
it, which so Daniel, here I go again. Another rabbit trail that'd be really interesting to go down sometime is like different models of sharing scientific information hmm. um, that are equally as rigorous as peer review, but without the same without the issues that are currently associated with peer review process. And this is where the ETH based Yeah. <laughs> are you talking about Ethereum? Well yeah, I mean Did you say e- Yeah, there's there's ideas around education and research using sort of um blockchain validation hmm. um and more of an open peer review mm-hmm. than a closed peer review i see um which has its disadvantages the, the current system it was easy to, to knock current systems the current system came about for a reason hmm. and works very very well in some ways um but i think it's it's, it's fair to admit there's places it, it could use some real love and care i guess pruning cultivation cultivation one might say that's good kyle i like that um yeah well i feel like i don't know is is now a good place to stop is there anything else you you wanted to chat about isaac any other rabbit trails that you want to um, we didn't wet our appetites we didn't with for next the time mission but yeah that that um that statement i actually really like that uh i have it here yeah yeah the mission of acu is to educate students from from the christian worldview in the contemporary and historic body of truths through the classical liberal arts and sciences for all spheres of life and vocations by exercising ex- exercising students discernment disciplining ho- holistically and equipping with practical skills that's a very well thought out mission statement which is one i really like and then if you look at the unique approach down here this is the thing i was referring to um and i'm just going to re- read maybe um yeah, read what you read what you want to. The very last couple of sentences. The vision of ACU is to be an excellent tertiary educational institution that glorifies God through a training that is biblical, worldly based, innovative, stewardship oriented, and truly African. So, <laughs> which is something I thought was pretty cool um, to to kind of I, I don't know I, I, I be a yeah, part I, of. I read that mission and. And that was really at a time in my life where, I, you know, I'd started on these sort of dreams of working internationally and then mm. I'd sort of come to this place of like, man, like, what does that mean? And, and where does it really do um, good, if any good, um, you know, and, and, and then I came across this. And, and one of the really cool things is it's like um, the, the Reformed Baptist churches in Zambia there are really involved in this. And it's mm. kind of... Um, so there's uh, there's U.S. churches and people associated with it also, but it's very much um, the sense I got is driven by the the folks, the church on the ground there, which is really exciting to me because that's the kind of thing that I want to be a part of, um, rather than you know something that's just like all sort of like a, a one way mm-hmm. push from the U.S. to, to Zambia. It's like that's not going to last, you, yeah, um, or really be maybe valuable. You need you need the, the like the church there to be invested and and this is um what they want you know and and they want to have this option for you know their young people um Mm -hmm. as an education option and so that's pretty pretty cool or exciting to be a part of yeah that seems like a seems like a good mission um again yeah well thought out and i think everybody kind of wants that for themselves right you don't want somebody trying to export 
export their ideas to the to the detriment where you're like taking away their kind of identity but to have something that's driven by people the people who it's benefiting i think the other thing for me too is is you know it's it's so funny and and when i was in zambia this this shocked a lot of the students you know so kids in there i was teaching mostly people who were um, getting ready to graduate so Mm -hmm. you know 20 to 22 year olds and i was i was saying like landing in lusaka and especially after the last few years the u.s has had this very odd experience because yes it's an extremely poor country compared to the united everything <laughs> not everything is poor compared to the united states but if you look over history and across space is you know we're just in this unprecedented wealth and mm-hmm. and visiting with them i one thing i told them is you know even though it's like that i dropped my mic there sorry even though there's the poverty there in in some ways there's it seems like a more hopeful place for the future if that makes sense so um like a, a good place to build and i don't know if that really if that chances but for instance you people are, are still really family oriented and, and still have fan families and um, there's sort of intergenerational connection uh, in the culture, which is just something that, you know, I find missing in the United States. Is that intergenerational living or just intergenerational relationship? So I, um, I don't think I was long there long enough um, or got to meet enough people to really, um, say that it was intergenerational living it could well be um but i wouldn't want to misspeak and say something but i I would say that yeah it's really there there was a greater sort of context and uh, an understanding of like i guess living in a community of people that you're all connected Mm -hmm. to right does i don't know if that makes sense whereas it seems like in the u.s even in Inside of, I would say, um, some pretty connected communities, there's not the same. You don't have to rely on each other in the same way. Yeah, and so maybe, maybe have me back in on in like you know a year and a half, and and I'll have a completely different opinion. Mm-hmm. That was my my first landing in Zambia, um, and I, and I was only there for a week. And I think part of it too is the age is so young. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is for mostly for a very sad reason. My understanding is that AIDS was just so bad there that a lot of the older, older people died. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it's, I, I think one of the students told me the average age was 22, um, in, in Zambia. And so there's, there's also, you know, um, having taught university students for several years now, there's sort of a vitality and excitement of being in those years of 18 to 22 that, you you kind of leave beyond behind you when you move on, and it's it's not it's not a bad thing to leave behind you. Know, life changes as as you get older. The you know you don't. I, I always say I don't sleep under a cardboard box on the side of the road anymore when I'm out traveling, which is something that I did do <laughs> in my in my early twenties. You know that 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 life is is part of the past. Um, yeah, I think Ecclesiastes is just a great book for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if anybody who's not a Christian listens to this, I would just really encourage you, give Ecclesiastes a good read and don't just get discouraged by it, but realize what it's saying. It's it's basically saying we're all gonna die and you know, and you're 
and every stage of life is going to be different. So you can always long to be in your 20s again, but your 20s are past, you know, and, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, sorry. So you said, read Ecclesiastes for what it says. Don't be discouraged. We're all going to die. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, that's what you said. You nailed it, Daniel. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's it's like it confronts you with the truth that Uh I think people least want to hear. Yeah. And then it it says, well, there's still hope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I think that's, that's the beauty of Ecclesiastes. For sure. Um. But so I was going to say that being around, but it was really interesting because I went to Zambia during COVID and during right after they had had their worst months of people dying. So, hmm. yeah, so really sad stories I heard when I went there and, and medicine in, in Zambia is not medicine, it's a very rough time for a lot of people. And, and but then I was, te- you know, coming back and teaching in the U.S., and all these students who have been on Zoom for a year, um, and I don't want to get political, but it's a little bit like that year of Zoom sucked the vitality out of some two-year-olds. Like I haven't seen, mm. having spent my, I guess, most of my life today, either being in that group or being around that group, um, that age group, it does seem like coming back and teaching in person this year has been really difficult. Um, and the students are just very, very tired out. and and. Mm. You, you, I'm not experiencing the same sort of vitality and vivacity and go get this and great students. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing against the WSU students um, would hate, hate for anybody to think that, but it, it's just to sort of descriptively say, Hey, this is what it like as a teacher um, who's taught at both, both locations. It's like, yeah, this, it really hurt a lot of, of students and, and I don't know the right way to handle it. And I'm, so I hate to critique, critique something when I like don't have the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to sort of admit the, the cost a little bit yeah, to the students. And, and that is one thing I would say that was different. And so there, there I go. That's, different that's, over there. Yeah. <laughs> that's as political as like, and I mean, and they had lockdowns and everything um, there too, but I felt like for whatever yeah. reason, um, that sort of vitality and excitement at some higher levels in that group. And, and there's just more young people too on, which now we're a long ways from business. We are a little ways from business. That's all right. We, uh, we follow our bliss here on Socratic Hobbits and where, wherever that takes our conversation. That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever said. So let me try again. We just follow the conversation wherever it goes. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I was going to say something on, Oh, I think this business, I'm um, talking to business people. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not not probably the person to talk to but i think that's a great uh, to me that'd be really interesting yeah just to hear cool. you know experiences of people you know in all forms of business i think more interesting so i know a lot of folks that have run construction businesses mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and more power to them uh, something that where i think i could never do that job and i love i have some really good friends who do that and my dad did that you know mm-hmm. uh but for me the really interesting stuff would you know what about people that found niches and either failed at building in those niches or succeeded or, you know, and and to what degree they succeeded and, and a really interesting person to have on, I have no idea if he would um, be interested is Bill Frankie. Hmm. Um, And, and I don't think you probably Daniel know him at all. And Kyle, I know you've been out there. Yeah. I've stayed at their house. So, so who's Bill Frankie? Isaac's uncle. 
So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. There's no, no genetic or marriage relation, but like my parents and, and, um, yeah, the, the Frankies and, and my parents went to school together and there's a group of friends that stayed really, really close and talk about cool things you see in life. Mm-hmm. Friends who have been together through thick and thin and really know, thin over like, I, I don't know how many years that is now. It's well over 30 years. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty cool, that's something where it's like, okay, life goals right there is to have, have something like that when you're older. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we're still doing the Bible study <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been together for 10 years now. Yeah. That's, a little more than. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. You're also all, all intermarried. Well, we're not talking about that. <laughs> um. <laughs> you're all family now. <laughs> Not quite, no, but not I, all of us, but Bill Frank. Yeah, so he, you know, and and it'd be cool to get his story down anyhow. And, and it might be something he'd rather do in person. But he he basically built an electronics business in the dairy industry in just a really neat niche. Hmm. And built it into quite a cool company. Um, and then Marty Frankie, who I grew up with, you know, are like two weeks apart. Um, he works for that company now and Okay. He's an electrical engineer. Um, yeah. He builds sun. And they, like, it, to me, it's one of the really cool, like, sort of, um, of, like, the American garage stories. I know, you know, if you think of, like, yeah, things that came out of American garage. I mean, literally came out of a back room and then into a garage and then um, into, you know, having its own, like, real office um, now. Okay. And it's it's like one of those stories where it would never get told because it's not like this massive, you know, it's not like Apple or, sure. or something like that. Um, but it, it's, it's sort of like, Hey, here's, here's where this journey can take you. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, you know, Kyle, if you want me to drop a line. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle said he'd drive out there, fly out there wherever he needs to go. Well, it's out in Tillamook. It's beautiful. Oh, I'll drive down then do a podcast with him but that's one of the cool things too is it's it's he's providing this service to an area that's known for dairies and so is this intersection Mm -hmm. of his knowledge and technical abilities and the need of his local community yeah yeah and those are the to me those are like the businesses that are super cool to learn about where it's like who would have thought you know who would have thought there was space for this Mm -hmm. and then and that's whenever you get into that trap where you think it's sort of a zero sum game. You look at something like that, you're like, oh no, it's it's not a zero sum game. It Positive requires that yeah. Yeah. Innovation. For sure. Well, I gotta hop off. But Isaac, it's yeah. been fantastic talking with you. Thanks for Do you have a Patreon or something and... for your uh I know your first year is covered, but for future years. Yeah. Um and and really we're some some wisdom we've received is like treat that as your like emergency like <laughs> so we're, we're actively fundraising um mm-hmm. well how many listeners are we averaging now a podcast daniel uh we had like 14 or 15 the last one so and that was okay. that was in the first day so usually there's a few trickle through so but you don't the thing is is that every opportunity like every opportunity you want and i think i said this on the last episode but i've been thinking about it more is not probably because I got let go. And so now I'm looking for that person, but every opportunity that you're looking for, it's not just, it's, it's one person, right? It's one person that you need to impress in order to get the job. It's one person that you need to buy your product. It's not like 
anyway, so maybe there's a super rich person that wants to support you. <laughs> and there's one of the 13, James. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, anyway. But yeah. no, I mean, the, every, is James every... still your like, most faithful listener? No, my wife is. Yeah. Okay. He was usurped. <laughs> oh, we did finally get the my wife to listen fan. to one. I think you should have her listen to this this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say I'm not a very good fan. Oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I don't actually care if you listen. I just want you to download it. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. Daniel again. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Isaac. We certainly did. Thank you so much. You can find links to most of the things we talked about in the show notes. Thank you, Explore, for the music. I just want that screenshot. I'm going to do that screenshot this episode and say, Elon, this would have been a good podcast, not for... Starlink's poor performance. Please fix this for me.